Hey everybody, welcome back to the Voice of My Beloved podcast. Here we are again with Jeremiah. Jeremiah Aviel going to talk to us more about the garden and just what it means to be stewards of the land. So you might be asking yourself too, like, how does this connect to love and purity? For me, it connects in the, in the way that we live, just that we want to encourage a pure lifestyle. Yes, spiritually, which most of our podcasts are on, you know, spiritual elements of seeking set apartness, you know, seeking God, you know, James talks about the pure and undefiled religion to visit the fatherless and the widows and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. And so this element of farming, stewarding the land has that element of, you know, we want to be good caretakers of what God has given. And there's a purity aspect to that. And so in case you're asking yourself the question, what does farming have to do with love and purity ministries? <laughs> Plus the fact that we're planning on doing this program coming up in the spring called Harp and Farm, where we're going to be combining worship and prayer, which we've been doing here uh, more so as a community over the past seven or eight months with agriculture. And so if you know young people out there, if you're a young person out there in between the ages of 18 and 30, this is a program we're going to start in the spring. And we've got a team here of people that some of them have actually quite a bit of know-how and quite a bit of experience and what it means to take care of the land and manage forests and take care of animals. So it's going to be fun. Oh, absolutely. So get the word out there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be great. Um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a really good time. And, and, uh, I mean, that's perfect intro to what I want to talk about today is like the, the purity of the garden. Right. Right. And so in our minds, like whether you're a new believer, whether you're a 10th generation believer, there's this idea of Gan Eden, the garden of Eden right. being, being the most pure place in the world. Right. Right. And, uh, and that's where God meets with us. That's mm -hmm. where God meets with, with humans, you know? And, um, uh, and so I touched on, on last week, um, we kind of talked about just to recap for a minute, we talked about, um, sustainability more in the wrong direction, right? So we talked about big ag, um, coming in, really destroying the land. And so where does that leave us as, as stewards? Um, and I just want to start off again with, uh, with the verse in Genesis chapter two, um, and we'll go down into verse number eight. It says, Adonai, God, Adonai Elohim, planted a garden toward the east in Eden. Eden, And there he put the person whom he had formed. Um, and so, uh, you know, and I mentioned this before, God is the first farmer. He, he's right. the first gardener, right? And, uh, and I think gardener even encapsulates that better than, than farmer. Um, I think sort of like our, our semantic value, the way that we, we think about it in our minds. Gardener is somebody who's, who's going out there. They're getting their hands in the dirt. More of a tending aspect. Precisely. We get yeah. Gardening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, um, and it's just, it's a beautiful picture because that's where, where God walked with man. Right. Um, and you know, obviously for us that that person walking with them is Yeshua, Jesus. And, uh, and he comes down in the cool of the evening and, and communes, right. You know, um, fast forward several thousand years and we have our Messiah and uh, where is it that he goes to, to talk to the father, right? So, so we have this calling to be out in the world, 
Mm. We're not of the world, but, but we need to be in the world. Right. And so in, in that aspect, love and purity is, is amazing. We need to be um, pure and we need to be loving. And, um, uh, but it's, it's up to us to like get recharged and then go into the world. And, and we, and that's the example that our master has left us. Right. So he would go out into wilderness areas and then he would come in and he would heal and he would preach and he would cast out demons. And, uh, and as that tank started getting lower, then he would go back into these wild areas to, right. to be with God. Um, and we see it all throughout the scriptures with the prophets. Um, we see David, you know, as a young shepherd boy, he's right. out there, he's singing, he's praising, he's worshiping, he's tending the sheep, he's learning how to lead. Right. There's um, inspiration out there in the field. Precisely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like all the greatest leaders in the Bible that you can think of, Abraham, um, Isaac, Jacob, um, the rest of the patriarchs. Um, we've got Moses, uh, David, as I just mentioned, um, even some of the prophets, you know, these guys were actually shepherds. Right. It's um, almost like God saying, if you can't lead sheep, you're not going to be able to lead people. Precisely. <laughs> because we as humans are sheeple, right? <laughs> right. Um, uh, and it just, it makes me think, uh, today I was moving my sheep and uh, I got this one, one big old girl and uh, she was so happy that she was getting onto new grass. She like, there's no fence in the way or anything, but as she goes from like the old grass into the new grass, she just jumps up, kicks her heels, and then every single other sheep behind her does the does the exact same thing you know and and we as humans we're just like that and um and that's where god uh is is growing us is he's growing us in the garden right and so think about like what a fruit is so a fruit is essentially this this entity that has a body and inside of that body is the seed and that seed has the ability to produce the exact likeness mm. of, of um, what it brought down um, or what it came out of rather. And so um, for us, God is telling us be fruitful and multiply, right? Well, what does that mean? You know? Mm. And so, so here we are, we are the seed um, that he is raising up to cultivate. I mean, how many scriptures are there of us being vines and branches and bearing fruit and the right. fruit of the spirit, yeah. right? Um, Unless a seed falls to the earth and dies, how can it bear fruit? Precisely. You know? Exactly. <laughs> so all these things, yeah. Um, and and again, I mean, like even with that principle, there's, there's so many layers to that. Like us, we have to be living sacrifices, right? right. We die have to, to ourselves. Die to ourselves. Yeah. Um, and... And I think that it's unfortunate with, like, as we had talked about last time with this move towards urbanization and mm -hmm. 80 to 90% of the world population living in urban areas, um, you miss out on so much that right. is contained within the scriptures. Right. Um, I mean, like Yeshua's principles, parables rather, they were, what did they focus on? There were, there were two main elements. Um, one was agriculture and the, and the second was money. Um, and why did he focus on agriculture and money? Mm. Um, so, so money is, is something that we can all relate to, right? right. All of us need it. We, we, it's an unfortunate reality of our existence. <laughs> and, um, uh, and agriculture is, is how we actually live. Um, right. Can't live long without food. 
No, no, you can't. <laughs> I mean, you, you and uh, Aaron just finished up your uh, 10 days of fasting and, um, uh, and it's tough. It's, it's right. hard to go on. Um, I mean, you know, again, talking about my sheep moving them, they can be ruminating, having cleaned out an entire area. They're all just like laying there lazily ruminating. I put up a new fence and open it up for them to move in. And they rush in, you know, their rumens are literally like bulging out of their stomachs, right. but they need to get more. Uh -huh. Right. And, uh, and it's the same thing with us as humans. We, we have this desire to, to get more. And, um, and so Yeshua's parables, they speak directly into this agricultural economy. Right. Cause most everyone could relate to that. Precisely. Most everybody was raising something probably. Precisely. Um, you know, even, in, even in the cities, um, a lot of people still had land that they would be going out to and tending. Right. Um, and today there's, there's a little bit of that, you know, right. bigger cities, they'll have community gardens and such. Um, but most people aren't growing tomatoes on their back porch. Right. You know, uh, I remember I had friends from New York city who, uh, came to upstate New York to go to school and they literally thought that milk came in cartons that it was just something that was factory processed <laughs> and uh, i remember um helping one of them move and we drove by a farm and they saw a cow and they screamed for me to stop the car to get out to take a picture of a cow because <laughs> uh, it's just something that doesn't even register and so right. um so talking about the garden and and that being where god meets us uh and then we see example after example in the scriptures um it really like drives home the point that that God is a, a relational God and B right. really cares about our needs. Mm. Um, so he wanted to meet the the needs of Adam and Eve, and so mm. that's why he planted the garden. He, did, does God need a garden? No, he doesn't need a garden. Right. You know, God didn't. Does God need people? No, he doesn't need people. So so why did he create everything? Right. Well, because he's a creator and because he wants right. relationship. Right. Um, I have to interject. So yeah. I just took my family in to uh, St. Louis has one of the most beautiful botanical gardens in the world. Yeah. And we were walking through it and just the smells, the sights, all these exotic plants and just thinking about this is a great place to, I was just, it was just, we had a great time as a family, you know, just the relationship aspect of it, interacting with creation, being able to walk together as a family. God is genius oh, yeah. <laughs> that way. This, yeah. the, the creation is a big part of his even expressing his love toward us oh yeah that he made trees and grass and all this stuff we look at it and even as roman says you know we these things testify that there is a creator yes you know and so when they get destroyed when you know people like we talked about last podcast are destroying nature revelation says that god's going to destroy those who destroy the earth exactly and so there's a pretty big responsibility that we have as believers to say hey we care about this creation that God, that God made. We don't want to see it destroyed. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I remember you coming back from that and you were like, uh, what do you know about propagation? Yeah. You know? right. um, and again, like here we go with, with biblical illustrations of, of you're taking a cutting from one thing to create an exact replica of that thing. Right. Right. And multiplication, uh, <laughs> multiplication. Exactly. Right. Um, and, uh, and not only that, but like, um, with fruit trees. So, um, 
in the spring, you, you don't prune during the summer. You can, um, and there, there are ways of doing it, but right. you're mostly pruning early spring before things start to bud out right. um, while the sap is, is still down. And, um, and each one of those cuttings that you can make or that you take, you can root and then you make an exact replica mm. of that tree. Um, and, and again, the word talks about us needing to be pruned. Right. Um, and so some of those prunings, yeah, they go off into the compost, they go off into the burn bin. Um, but you can also take those prunings and then just keep going, keep creating, mm. keep renewing. Um, and I just, I think it's a beautiful picture of right. what the father does for us. Wow. Um, it's great. And, uh, yeah. Um, and one of the, the scriptures that I really like about farming is in Psalms. Um, I think I have it marked here. Um, so in Psalms chapter 104, uh, and I'll start in verse 13. It says, you water the mountains from your palace. The earth is satisfied with how you provide. You grow grass for the cattle, and for the people, you grow the plants they need to bring forth bread from the earth, wine that gladdens the human heart, oil to make faces glow, and food to sustain their strength. Adonai's trees are satisfied. The cedars of Lebanon, which he has planted, in them sparrows build their nests, while storks live in the fir trees. For the wild goats, there are the high mountains, while the conies find refuge in the rocks. You made the moon to mark the seasons, and the sun knows when to set. You bring darkness, and, it's, and it is night, the time when all the forest animals prowl. Um, and then it just continues on after that. And so, um, like we were just talking about a minute ago, like God didn't have to make anything with color. He could have made us see in black and white uh -huh. and, and shadows. Um, but he didn't. He made these absolutely gorgeous colors for us to to see. Right. Um, he gave us the wisdom to enhance his creation as well through through propagation, through breeding, um, and uh, and I think that that modern science sometimes has taken that too far. Right. Now we're moving into the realm of transhumanism and mm -hmm. um, just crazy unearthly things that that shouldn't be dabbled with. Um, but for things to like. Uh, bring about roses with more color or right. um, or tulips, for instance, um, or uh, chickens that will lay more eggs or, or be bigger bodied for for food. Um, and so uh, so he created us to be creators. Right. Um, and and he gave us the, the space and the ability to do that. Um, and. Uh, and I think that here in, in Psalm 104, it just illustrates that so beautifully that he is the one who is sustaining this. He's the one who has done all of this creation. He's the one who has planted these trees. Right. Um, and, uh, and again, it's like, well, that's our responsibility as, as mm -hmm. caretakers yeah. um, to really store the earth. Yeah. I'm thinking uh, what you're talking about the Psalms, uh, Psalm 50, you know, even describing how, you know, the psalm is saying, "This is how rich God is. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills." Yeah, I mean, just how agriculturally based the scripture is. Uh, you know, in today's uh, lingo, it might be, you know, he owns a thousand Rolls Royces or something like that. But you know, in the language of the Bible, he's, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and just to speak of, wow, God is amazing. And then you look at the blessings of the patriarchs; they're blessing him with the oil and the wine yeah. and the cattle. And, and so 
blessing in biblical terms is even agriculture related. Oh yeah. You know, may, my son, may you be blessed with prospering herds. You know, it's just like that is a little bit of a foreign concept for us as Westerners, but this is the language, you know, to receive blessing is for your crops to do good. Exactly. For your your land, you know, for your animals to do good. Yeah. I, <laughs> I bless you, Braden, with a dew from the field. Yeah. You know? Um, well, what good is that going to do for me if I live in a high-rise building? You know? Right. Um, but that could be the very sustaining um, thing that, you know, somebody needs for their crops to grow. Right. Uh, to bring in that harvest. Well, it's like you mentioned earlier. This is what was basically equaled money in a certain sense to the, because if, if their crops did not grow, starve to death. Exactly. I mean, there's that critical. Oh, yeah. So there was, it was that, and we get disconnected from that reality that, you know, yeah, if crops don't grow, we don't have anything to eat. Exactly. And so God blesses us when he sends the rain, when he sends the, uh, the produce. Yeah. Um, and that uh, uh, reminds me of, you know, we all know the story of how um, God kicks Adam and Eve out of the garden. And, uh, and then we have like, I don't know, over a thousand years uh, before the time of Noah, and uh, and there's something really interesting that I was listening to a teacher earlier this week, um, and he he was saying that one of his theories is that uh, after Noah, um, God actually removed the majority of that curse mm. that he had placed on on the ground, and and I'll read you um, just at the end of Genesis chapter eight. Uh, starting in verse 20, and it says, Noach built an altar to Adonai. Then he took from every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Adonai smelled the sweet aroma, and Adonai said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of humankind, since the imaginings of a person's heart are evil from his youth. Nor will I ever again destroy all living things as I have done. So as long as the earth exists, sowing time and harvest, cold and heat, Summer and winter and day and night will not cease. Mm. Um, and so to me, like, I don't know, I, I read that and I think about what that time, pre-flood time must have been like. It must mm. have been crazy. Mm. Like one day is 90 degrees and the next day you're having like freezing temperatures and, uh, and the existence um, must have been pretty terrible. But here God is, is taking away some form of that curse and establishing these seasons. And where he uh, says there, I will never curse the ground again. Right. There's yeah. It's an interesting passage. Yeah. And it's very, because yes, we still have thorns. Yes. Like, you know, just as well as anybody, you go out and you're pulling weeds and you're dripping with sweat and it's, it's by the sweat of the brow that, that you're collecting your food. Right. Um, uh, but I think that, that he has also made that as, as a blessing in a way. Mm. Um, and so, it's good to sweat. It's it is great to sweat, right? <laughs> Detoxifies us. And those in northern climes who don't get the warm warm weather that we have down here, you know, they build saunas so that they can sweat in. Right. I'm always trying to promote the benefits of sweating for those that don't know. <laughs> yes. <he's. laughs> um, and so, uh, um, ah, lost my train of thought. So anyway, so um, with the bringing it back into the into the garden. Um, so, yeah, so we do have to work for food. There is this element of, of us toiling and putting our hand forth um, to, again, we've got that subdue the earth. 
Um, uh, and, and there are going to be thorns and there are going to be weeds that are, that are right. coming up that we have to get rid of. Um, but I think that there is a deeper metaphor for us in our spiritual growth in the same way. Right. Mm-hmm. And so Yeshua says, once you set your hand to the plow, you're, you're not going to look back. And so anybody would know what he's talking about back then, but to paint the picture, you know, you've got a team of oxen, you've got these two oxen, maybe one oxen if, if you're not very wealthy and it's, it's moving forward in a forward uh, linear path. And if you turn your head and you, you look behind you, your oxen are going to realize. So your, your arms start to move and all of a sudden you're, you're pulling on that, on those leads on that bridle. And then the oxen's yoke is going to start to turn and its head's going to turn. And all of a sudden you're no longer in a straight path. Mm. Now you're kind of weaving back and forth in the field and you, Oh, you catch yourself and you, you look and, and then you have to pull your oxen back. Um, and so Yeshua is saying, put your hand to the plow and, and go forward, like follow me with all that you have. And, um, and so, yeah, there's going to be things that you're going to have to root out, right? You're, you're going to find these weeds. You're going to find some of these, um, some of these thorns, uh, within your own character. Um, and so once you, once you get out, get those out, um, and then, then you as your, your own soul, your, your own spirit, um, is, much more of a place that is ready to receive that gospel, ready to receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, ready to then be able to pour out into other people. You reminded me of Paul, the way he puts it, he says, one thing forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward to the upward call of God. So while I I see there's value sometimes in going back and, you know, trying to process things that have happened in our lives, Mm -hmm. there's also a place just to say, you know what, I'm a new creature in Messiah. Uh, Paul says one thing, forgetting those things which are behind. Yeah, I'm forgetting that, uh, but I, but I've got my face set for the future. I'm pressing on toward the upward call of God in Messiah Yeshua. So there's something there about yeah, not getting off the track. Absolutely. You know? So yeah, yeah. Um, there definitely is a time and a place to to deal with things that have happened in your past. Um, but as far as like your spiritual growth, your spiritual development, you just want to keep pressing forward in the Messiah. Right. Right. You brought one more thought that I just have to mention, uh, thinking about Solomon. So here God says, I'm giving you more wisdom than I've given anybody before. You look at the things, I was just reading this recently in 1 Kings, you look at the things that God gave Solomon wisdom on, trees, plants, <laughs> it's just it's a Absolutely. fascinating thing. Oh, yeah. God endows his heavenly wisdom, and then he's speaking about trees and plants. Another thing, a few other things too, but... I just thought that was fascinating. Oh yeah. I mean, in today's world, I don't know that that would uh, be as impressive, uh, you know, as it should be. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, today is it would be more, I guess, along the lines of computer science and things like that. But <laughs> finances, banking <laughs> yeah. institutions. Yeah. But yeah. Solomon, he's given divine wisdom, and he understands plants and animals. I yeah. think that mentions, uh, yeah, because he talks about the different animals and stuff he had wisdom on too. And I just, I think that's cool. Well, and the perfect segue to the two, two things I wanted to wrap up on was, um, one is that God cares about animals and livestock here. He is. And God is, is telling Jonah, well, 120,000 people plus all of their animals would have died. Um, God is telling the, the Israelites when they're going into the land of Canaan, certain cities and towns, they were to, 
obliterate, completely kill everything, every man, woman, child, um, including their livestock. Right. Um, and so like there are deeper things and theories about, about what Canaanites were doing with their livestock. Um, and, uh, but it's, it's something that, that God definitely cares about. Uh, so animals are, are a huge part of, of God's love for the earth. And, uh, and then the second thing is speaking about Solomon and, and all his splendor, all his wisdom. Um, well, what is it that Yeshua is telling us in, in Matthew chapter six, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things shall be added unto you. Do the, do the birds worry about what they're going to eat? Right. Um, look at the lilies of the field. Like they are more beautifully clothed than Solomon in all of his splendor. Yeah. And, um, point to creation. Exactly. Exactly. And so again, it's like, um, there's lessons right there. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Great to have you on Jeremiah. So we're going to sign off with that and, uh, hope you all are blessed and just yeah, wherever you are. Yeah. Maybe blessed with the wisdom of Solomon just to know about plants and animals. It's cool. Cool. That God has, uh, Actually, there's so many books and things to learn about these kind of things. It's a, it's a cool cool thing to learn about. So here we are. This is the Voice of My Beloved podcast where we believe that hearing and following the voice of the Bridegroom King leads to the most abundant and joy-filled life.